welcome to Animoa, the animated movie watch. I'm Birdie. I'm Beffers. And today's episode is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? We pick our movies from the list of animated feature films on Wikipedia. Any movie with a theatrical release that has a critic's rating of over 50% on Rotten Tomatoes will get its own episode here on Animoa. And we're watching these films in chronological order. Yay! Yay. Uh, still late 80s. Yeah. Good times. You know what? When you said the title, I thought you said Pooh Framed Roger Rabbit. Poop! Poop! Poop, poop is funny. <laughs> Oh, we didn't see Winnie the Pooh in this movie. We saw oh, everyone else. there was else. no Pooh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was no <laughs> What a statement. Um, hey, what, what, what are we drinking right now? Because I can't actually see what you're drinking. Yeah, we're, we're recording this remotely because reasons. Yeah, reasons. And <laughs> uh, just, just to, as I guess, uh, heads up, like there, there, there might be slight audio distortions and I'll do what I can. But uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of trying this out to see how this works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what are you drinking? I have an electrolyte beverage in a coffee mug because that's the kind of day I'm having. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I too have a coffee mug, but there is actual coffee in it, and it's chocolate cherry flavored coffee. It's oh, good for you. Yeah, it's good. It is good for me. No, maybe not for me, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, we can't clink. Um, I wonder. You know what? I've got a glass here. I can clink against my mug. I can clink against my mug. Let's, you do. You do yours first. Well, well I'll, I'll 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 choose the. Uh, you know what? We'll include both. Okay. Did you do yours? Oh, I'll do mine. Uh, if you did it, I didn't hear it. Oh, I didn't hear yours. <laughs> oh, oh, weird. Well. Okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe I'll just add that in post. <laughs> Where I'll cut all of this and then just <laughs> add in the clink noise and it'll be fine. Anyway, <laughs> cheers. Uh, this episode will never air. <laughs> ha! We'll, we'll never get there. We'll do our best, damn it. Yeah, because you know what? It's Who Framed Motherfucking Roger Rabbit. And this is an amazing movie in, in so many respects. Absolutely. Um, first, tell me about your history with this movie. I mean, I've, I've definitely been watching it for a big chunk of my life. I, I remember seeing it when I was young enough to be terrified of Judge Doom. <laughs> I remember watching the uh, animated short Tummy Trouble before Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, which I'm not sure if that was something we taped off the Disney Channel and if they actually aired the Tummy Trouble short in front of that just on the Disney Channel. But yeah, that was like that was something they did after this movie is they had like all these um, Roger Rabbit shorts that they created and they would play them in front of other movies uh, in their theatrical release, I guess. And yeah, Tummy Trouble was one of them. So I, I remember that, which is just kind of funny because I, I, I keep thinking that that's going to be the opening to this movie, but this is the thing with the baby in the kitchen and it's it's a different sequence. But yeah, no, and I, I, I obviously as a, an animation person, this is uh, an, an important film <laughs> to, uh, to study and certainly appreciate it. But what about you? I also have a long history with this movie, but... I barely remember it. It's it's weird. Uh, I know I saw this movie when I was very, very young because I have memories of these characters. You know, Roger, Jessica, Benny, 
uh, the weasels <laughs> ever mm -hmm. since I could remember. But I can never remember actually watching the entire movie front to back or beginning to end. <laughs> that was oh. book talk there, front to back. Um, <laughs> well, it's based on a book. Because uh, it showed on cable TV, but I didn't have cable. So I could only watch this movie whenever I was at a friend's house and it just ah. happened to be on TV. So I've seen the whole movie just in little chunks. I see. Okay. Do you... Did you eventually see it all the way through before uh, we just watched it for this or or like more recently or anything like that? Or just when you were growing up, did all those chunks? If I ever saw it beginning to end, it had commercials. But mm. otherwise, no, I've never seen it beginning to end like that. Wow. Yeah, I still love this movie. That's that's great. And then as, as we learned last uh, when, when we were watching it, there's you know there's the tv version like that's it's slightly uh tailored and censored and then there's the theatrical release which we we that's what we got on disney plus is like the actual full version so that was your first time seeing that version if you had only ever seen it on tv before yes yes it was and it was awesome yay no it's so good it's 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 a it is a landmark film well the film was a landmark film, but the book it's based on, I'm not so sure about. No, not it's, so um, much. Not so much. It, it's a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Uh, Gary K. Wolf was the author. Yeah, the book is about uh, comic strips instead of, you know, filming cartoons. Yeah, and they've got like word bubbles that are actually like physically there that appear over their heads and they're like actual plot points in the story, which is a, it's, it's kind of a cool concept. It's just very different from what we got in the film. Unfortunately, I didn't get access to this book before we saw this movie, but I'm excited to try and find it and read it or listen to an audiobook. I'd like to read it, but my library is being weird. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very curious if you do get a hold of it, what you think of it. Because um, apparently even the author himself was kind of, he kind of like disowned it after the movie because he preferred the movie. And then when he wrote a sequel, he like retconned the first book as a dream. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, be proud of your work, dude. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he did like set the stage. Obviously, he served as the inspiration for the film. But I mean, from the description, it sounds like the film is the superior product. <laughs> Well, the film itself is so original that I think anything in comparison would be, I don't know, commonplace. I mean, it, certain parts of it for sure, like, did draw inspiration from either, like, real life things, like the whole, uh, the freeway thing and the dismantling of, like, public transit and stuff like that, which is, was going to be a plot line for, uh, I think a, a Chinatown sequel <laughs> and it was actually going to be called Cloverleaf. So it's like, Ooh. whoa, inspiration. But then also it's like super original and revolutionary in the way they did do these things and the way they integrated the cartoons with the real, uh, with the live action that nobody has really been able to capture since and nobody had done before. That is where I think this film is like, it just blows everything else out of the water. <laughs> I do recall two two pieces of history where they did this seamlessly. There was Mary Poppins, and nope. there was that dance with uh, the mouse and Gene Kelly. 
Yeah, I'm going to say nope instantly because they were nope. not as seamless as this. Nope. And they did not do as nearly as impressive things as this did. Well, like, that's true. They did do um, like a lot of cool camera work and shadow work. Yes. That but... is where the integration and the interaction and like people actually looking at the characters and matching their eye line as opposed to just sort of like poor Julie Andrews just kind of looking around at nothing and not ever making eye contact with any of the characters. You can totally see it if you watch those clips. I stand um, by Gene Kelly, though. It's it's surprisingly good. I think it's just because of that that goddamn reflection they have. Yeah. Um, Jerry's still kind of floaty. The characters in Roger Rabbit have so much more, like, weight and substance. And, again, integration. And they interact with real-life things much better. And, I th- again, I think it, 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 it set a precedent. And nobody has matched it since like the other movies were like you've got cool world you've got space jam um shit like that where it's just like come on no this isn't this is not you're 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 not even trying <laughs> like, this looks awful <laughs> i'd like to see people keep trying though well i guess apparently this new uh chippendale rescue rangers movie which i have not seen but i plan to apparently it is kind of like a modern day Roger Rabbit. And I guess I'm curious to see what their techniques are, but I imagine it's just all mostly CGI. So I, I can't imagine it's going to compare because this this had no computer use. This is all hand-drawn animation in Roger Rabbit. And it's just like, holy shit. You, you, it's just not the same. It's just not the same, man. We'll have to see when we finally do an episode for that Chip and Dale movie. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch it before then, obviously, but yes. Well, me too. (laughs) Uh, So, this movie has a lot of history and a lot of cult factor, even though, you know, it's not like people dislike this movie because we don't know of anyone who hates this movie. Yeah, I can't, I think anybody I mentioned Roger Rabbit to, they're like, yeah, it's a great movie. I don't think I've ever said like, yeah, Roger Rabbit. They're like, uh, (laughs) or anything. (laughs) No one ever says, oh, I don't understand this. How are they cartoons in real life? <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's 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 pretty easy to follow that. And again, all I could say is just like, it's it was as successful as it was because of all the people involved in it and all the people who like championed it. We have Spielberg and Zemeckis and Richard Williams and even fucking Alan Silvestri really to thank, to thank for how this all came together. And and of course all the all the ILM people and all the other animators and all the visual effects people, all the people behind the scenes who like had to rig all of these sets to work. It's like all these amazing people coming together to make this work. But especially, yeah, the the producer, the director, animation director, yeah, those <laughs> their vision. It, it, again, they, they 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 pulled it off. They pulled off what should have been impossible. And it was really expensive to make it, but it paid off. Yeah, I really appreciated seeing uh, something that was real life moving when a Toon character manipulated it. I gotta give props to the prop people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you had anything from like puppetry to actual like machinery, like moving things around for them. Yeah, they had a, a great sense of timing and they did a lot. Yeah, I hope they got paid really well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely something where we should definitely link people to um, the the making of or the behind the scenes video. I, 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 it is there's like a half hour one that's on YouTube that I highly recommend because you get to see a lot of 
how they did some of these um, some of these scenes. Awesome. I I've seen a few pictures of the making of, and it looks like there was a, a lot of uh, puppet looking stand-ins for the animated characters. Yeah. So the way they filmed it is they had like these sort of dummies that were sort of moved around to block out how certain scenes would be shot. So they would like have an idea of where the characters would be. So the actors would know where to look and the cameras would know where to go. And then they would film it without the characters there and with all like, you know, whatever puppetry they needed to do, whatever stuff they needed to move around like boxes or whatever the characters would be interacting with. And poor Bob Hoskins brilliantly uh, just re- like interacting with nothing, so much like miming, and then they would ship that off to the animators, and they would do many, many layers of cells to get the effect of like these three D looking characters with the shadow and the light and everything, and then that would be composited by a ILM onto the the original footage, and it was just like holy shit, this process. <laughs> it's, there's so much to it. For the character Jessica Rabbit, though, they had an actual performance model. They did, I think, just for a couple of moments in her scene, like where she's interacting with the people themselves, when she's like grabbing the tie and and sitting on his lap and stuff. Like, I that, that is that that's got to be like actual human hands, like holding his tie there. <laughs> yeah, I looked this up. It, she was played by Betsy Brantley. Betsy who- Brantley. Yeah, she was an actress, and it made me wonder, well, why didn't she do the voice of Jessica Rabbit, too? Um, because Kathleen Turner did the voice? Excuse me? <laughs> and yes, Kathleen Turner was perfect, so. She's amazing. I love her voice. No credit, though. She did not do the singing voice, though. That's right. Uh, we will talk was... about that with the music. Oh, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll save that, then. We'll save that. What else? What else? Oh, well, uh, I want to give props to... Disney and Warner Brothers for getting together and making fun of themselves. For actually collaborating on a project and allowing their characters to be on screen at the same time. Thanks, Spielberg. It was only because of his like clout that they agreed to really do that. It's like, oh, Spielberg said Spielberg's asking. All right, I guess we'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like at the height of his career, really. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Of course, they, they, they cooperated. But never since. Yeah, it's just a feast for the eyes to see all of these characters who are familiar to you in the background, just hanging out with all these humans, especially when, like in the beginning, when they're walking through the movie studio and you're like, oh, "Oh, I know them, I know them, I know them. Yeah. Um, But the absolute best is when you have Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny on screen together. It's so good. It's so funny. And uh, I I, I think I, I would rate... Uh, Donald Duck and Daffy Duck as also like an amazingly iconic scene as well. Their their stuff together. Oh yeah, um, the the dueling pianos. Yes, it's so funny and it's it looks so good. And they have reflections on the stage floor. Damn straight they do. And yeah. like the pianos and the stools, everything's reacting to their movements, and it's just it's so well integrated. Like everything in the Ink and Paint Club is just amazing. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much playing to their own characters, the ducks, Daffy and Donald. I'd never really thought about how how violent they were until they started going after each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like kind of like this, this, this classic version of them. That's like a, a whole sidebar that I can have about uh, 
specifically Daffy Duck and the way he was portrayed in this, but we we can maybe save that for animation talk. Sure. But yeah, <laughs> they 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 are perfect foils for each other, but also very similar as opposed to Bugs and Mickey, who are just very different kinds of characters, but they both troll the hell out of poor Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I thought Bugs stayed in character, even when he, I don't know, basically let uh, <laughs> let Eddie Valiant fall to his death with that spare tire. Yeah. But with Mickey, he says something pretty cryptic. Mickey notices that Eddie is falling without a parachute, and he says, You could get killed! Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, it was really dark. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, Mickey, Jesus. And he also just lets Bugs do what he does, and that's it. He's like, <laughs> that's... yep, alright. It's pretty rough. <laughs> we all knew Harsh. Mickey had a dark streak, but for Disney to actually acknowledge that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the dark side of the mouse. <laughs> Uh, any more historical tidbits for us? God, I mean, of course, but uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anything that's like, oh, well, I mean, I, I, I had mentioned that like it was incredibly expensive. I think it was at the time the most expensive film ever made, like 70 million. And then like uh, it was it was nominated for multiple Academy Awards and won three of them. So hell yeah Sweet. for a movie that had animation in it to, to perform this well at this time in this era was kind of a sign that it was, it was, it was kind of ushering in the Renaissance in a way. Yeah. And what a win for Disney. Remember yeah. in the throes of the dark age, mm -hmm. the light, the light at the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the railroad tunnel was Warner brothers. <laughs> it's a, it's a fucking curtain that opens and then it's a bunch of, horrifying cartoon character singing smile darn you smile <laughs> <laughs> i saw a lot of uh fleischer stylistic yeah. drawing because we're, we're we're looking at like the like we can almost transition to talking about animation here but we're looking at like the uh the golden age of animation which would be considered like the 30s and the 40s and because this film takes place in 1947 all of the animation we would see would be leading up to that point if with the exception of like a couple of things but so yeah, it makes sense because Fleischer's heyday was pre-that. <laughs> and that's mostly what we're going to see. A lot of is stuff in that kind of style, the, the rubber hose animation and everything. It's great. Awesome. So you want to talk more about animation? I mean, I'd love to. Okay, let's do <laughs> I'd it. Love to. Really can quickly. We... And, well, not really quickly. <laughs> as quickly as I can manage. And then we can maybe talk about characters and more stuff like that and voices and... It's All mostly going to be animation. I mean, there's there's just so much <laughs> to say. I mean, this is why we're covering this for Animoa is because of the animation in this film. Well, you and cannot... also because of Bob Hoskins, we gotta we gotta do a whole episode on Bob Hoskins just <laughs> okay. because we love him. We do. He's great. But uh, yeah, the, the the main thing here being the animation and the fact that you can't remove the animation from this film and have it make sense. If you if you if you had no animated characters, this movie would not work. So it's our criteria. <laughs> you know what? Hmm. I do want to see this without the animation. Well, I want to know what it would look like. Actually, what you can do is there's another clip on YouTube that shows Bob Hoskins in Toontown, what he looked like on the soundstage with absolutely fucking nothing around him except for a couple of like skeletal set pieces. 
and just interacting with nothing and reacting to different characters that aren't there but like it's like a split screen thing you can also see the storyboards showing what it would look like or what they had sort of planned out and stuff it's and and, oh actually i think no wait the script split screen might be the final product but yeah you can see him just sort of miming away (laughs) on a soundstage (laughs) that's that's probably the that and then any of the behind the scenes stuff where he's just like reacting to the dummies and the props and stuff (laughs) The whole film, no, probably there's no cut like that, but oh. yeah. Well, I will post those videos on the Twitter at Beffers and Birdie. Nice plug. Yes. Um. Uh, but you know what I think the movie would look like if it had no animation at all? I think it would be the story of one man's demise into insanity because he's grieving the loss of his brother so much and he hates tunes so much that he simply imagines that they're there just hallucinating everything yeah <laughs> well apparently bob hoskins did kind of start hallucinating at the end of like filming this because he was just like there was just so much nonsense he was doing and he was like okay i gotta take a break after this after this film oh yeah but uh anyway the animation so uh yeah there are I found a couple of different numbers for this this statistic, but I think the one I've seen most often is that there were 55 minutes of animation in this film. That alone is almost, like, it'd be a short movie, but that's a lot of animation for something that is mostly, well, seemingly mostly live action. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty, close to an even split, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how about that Richard Williams? Oh, Richard Williams. Yay. Let's talk about Richard Williams. I, we have before. We've brought him up before. But this is where he he got to do something that everyone got to see <laughs> and really enjoyed is uh, him him being the, uh, the animation director on this. Uh, he also did some of the animation, of course. But yeah, he consulted directly with Zemeckis they would like sit down and go over the scenes and Zemeckis would tell him like what he wants to have happen and Richard Williams would just like man with with his way of like dealing with motion and dealing with like the camera turning and everything and just having this amazing sense of space and perspective and motion and all that animating on one stuff that he pushed it's just like it all came together and was just it's it's kind of mind blowing how it all how it all worked out, but yeah yeah there's there's uh some great clips of him discussing like some of his rationale behind why it was certain certain decisions he made. I think my favorite is when he talks about Roger Rabbit's design specifically and the way his ears move and stuff. Like the design takes so many different elements from classic characters and sort of combines them all together. And he gave him a, an American flag color palette to, like to like subconsciously make people like him <laughs> oh i didn't notice that yeah a little subconscious <laughs> but yeah he's I... the white fur the red overalls and the blue bow tie oh i focused on yellow and red oh this is the gloves yeah um which in them in and of themselves are like mickey mouse gloves basically a different color because they didn't want to make them just like straight up like mickey mouse or uh, Bugs Bunny, but he has elements of both of them in his design as well. Yeah, and then the ears. The thing he talked about there is like it's it, they're always expressing his mood, and they they move like a ballet dancer. It's like the the kind of fluid movement that they do uh, throughout the film. And it's like, man, you can kind of see that actually. Like when that when I popped, I was like, 
oh shit that's true (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just again i i I can't get over the integration and all the the lengths they went to to make these characters this like even with all the 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 turning that the camera would do like the characters would move with the camera movement and that is so incredibly difficult and it broke a rule that generally in animation you you kept the, the camera static and Richard Williams was like well fuck that they're just lazy <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough yeah you, you had a lot of good work on that and um incidentally one of my favorite animators James Baxter did work on this film and I wasn't surprised to see his name pop up in the credits because he is especially good at like Oh, the camera's rotating around a character. Get James Baxter. He'll he'll make it look good. <laughs> like cool. he's so good at that. So I I, I kind of want to like figure out what what moments in this movie he did animate. Like, oh, is there ever a moment where camera is actually going around the character? That that would totally be him. <laughs> I I have to say, if you kept everything the same in this movie except camera movement and just had a stat- static camera, it would not have been that good. I agree. It's, it's so weird how, how just some simple movements can completely change your perspective of a movie. Yeah. No, that was that was like the whole uh, mindset going into this with Zemeckis just refusing, and Richard Williams for that matter. Like he, he, I think Zemeckis decided this first and Richard Williams was like, yeah, I'm on board. The whole idea of just filming it like a film, like not thinking about like all the, all the rules you have to follow for animation. Having said that, there are some movies that are completely ruined by having a lot of camera movements. Well, I mean, yeah, but uh, in in this sense, it's just like, yeah, just filming it like a film with camera movements at all, as opposed yeah. to just lots of almost more like a stage kind of thing where it's just like, here, we're just going to sit here and watch the scene play out as opposed to following the characters around. Or even things like, when you've got like the focus shifting from the foreground to the background, they had to like integrate that with like animated characters as well. And that's like, yeah, certain film conventions that you don't necessarily think about in in animated movies, but you do all the time in live action movies. They had to like sort of mimic that with the animation. Yeah. And I think probably my, my favorite thing. And I think the thing that just one of the more important details to kind of come out of this whole thing is the the expression bumping the lamp and where that came from and what it means and i was I, yeah i was noticing it when we were watching it in the scene in the uh the bootlegging cellar thing i forget what they actually call it damn it behind her bar when they go in there with roger they're still handcuffed at this point <laughs> they bump the lamp the overhead lamp and it's swinging around throughout the entire scene yeah. And it's casting light and shadow all over the place. And they animate that shit on Roger himself. We see the shadows moving on him while he's moving. It's like, that is that is so easy to, well, not so easy, but it's so easy to do like in a digital age compared to like actually animating this hand-drawn like shadow and light like overlaid on top of the cells, like of just the character in the mats. It's just mind-boggling, and it was just like this little extra detail of realism that really pushed it over the edge, and that sort of became an expression, a phrase, bumping the lamp that they that the animators will use to like go the extra mile to like make something look really good. Sweet, it, it's a flex. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like um it's like Milk Call's head waggle thing that he always did. Yeah, man, 
um, any more awesome people involved in this who we might recognize from other movies? Well, you know, there was a thing I was going to mention about the portrayal of Daffy Duck with the animation yeah. there. Yeah. So you've got, do you, do you remember from, I think it was the, the Roadrunner movie, the, the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner movie that we did. I talked about Bob Clampett versus Chuck Jones, like their rivalry or whatever, their feud that kind of just went on forever. You may uh, So that came back with this because Chuck Jones was a consulting animator on this, which is amazing. Yes. But the less amazing thing is that he kind of ended up hating the finished product and got kind of salty about it. Uh, apparently, Zemeckis really wanted to use Daffy Duck's portrayal as sort of conceived by Bob Clampett. That's like the zanier Daffy Duck who has like kind of more elongated beak. Like there are... There's there's two different kind of ver- like two versions of Daffy Duck that it's Bob Clampett's and Chuck Jones's version. I think the one we all recognize is going to be more like Chuck Jones's version because that's the one that kind of won out in Looney Tunes when he was the, the, the supervisor. But Bob Clampett is the one that ends up in this movie, and it is the one where he's like going and like like just really just extra goofy. Like you don't usually see that shit with Daffy Duck. He's he's a little bit more grounded. Uh, in the Chuck Jones version. But apparently, yeah, he, he got kind of pissy about that. The fact that it, he was changed and kind of shat on the movie a little bit. So. Aw, that's so sad. Because, I mean, if you have a bunch of tunes who are going to act wacky, it only makes sense that Daffy would also. Especially if he's dueling with Donald Duck. Like, you, you gotta go the extra mile, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I think the main reasoning was uh, Zemeckis just wanted to go for a more classic look and more like of the time older and i think the the clampette version of daffy duck is like kind of considered the older version versus the newer chuck jones version ah yeah so So it it really does make sense that they would use the older version because this takes place in the 1940s i think chuck jones got a little pissy and uh that's that's on him (laughs) it was worth it chuck it was (laughs) sick callback (laughs) i love it <laughs> so um yeah you want to move on to characters sure I, I don't know if we really need to mention the story because this episode is gonna be long enough and yeah it, you know you just really need to watch the movie yourself to get all the ins and outs of this plot mm-hmm. yeah there's there's more nuance than i remember as a child like understanding obviously but yeah nah the the, the plot is it's very film noir it's 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 very chinatown <laughs> But then you've also got all the fun cartoon characters. So yeah, the characters themselves, we should definitely focus on the tunes. Of course. Uh, uh, there's Roger. There's How about Roger? Roger? Roger is incredibly annoying. And <laughs> I like him, though, because he's earnest. Yeah. And he does just want to make people laugh. And he was iconic enough as a child that I, I did like kind of think that he was an actual classic cartoon character. <gasps> yes, me too. Yeah. And I was kind of confused when I found out, like, no, no, this is it. This is his thing. This movie is, this is his vehicle. He's he's not from something else. I think I always thought Roger was annoying. And yet there's that scene where Judge Doom is in the bar and he's doing the shave and a haircut bit. And <laughs> when, when I was a kid, I was like biting my nails like, oh, no, Roger, don't say anything. <laughs> I was, even though I didn't like him, I was still rooting for him. Aw. He's just that lovable and you can't help yourself yeah i i I, like i find him annoying but i don't dislike him at Mm. all 
a character can be annoying and still be very likable. And I think that's Roger to a T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the voice. It's just, it's, it's iconic. It's as, it's as iconic as any of the Mel Blanc voices really in its own yeah. way. It's like, I think that's part of why that, that vocal performance made it feel like he was actually of that era. Yeah. That was Charles Fleischer. Good job, yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like on set dressed up like Roger was. <laughs> just off camera. Yep. He uh, insisted. Is, is Wait, he also did the voice of Benny the Cab. So does that mean he was dressed up as a cab when he did Benny? <laughs> I don't think so. But boy, that would be hilarious to see. <laughs> I gotta get into character. <laughs> yeah, just puts on a... Just gets in a car. <laughs> yeah. He just, he just hangs some fuzzy dice around his neck. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, no, Roger, he's meant to be this bonkers annoying character next to eddie valiant like he is supposed to be kind of obnoxious to counterbalance how serious eddie has become in his life yeah oh and it's so sad when you find out that eddie used to be you know a a literal clown Yeah, yeah yeah but he gets to bring that back and we get that by the end so yay yeah speaking of eddie i guess we can we can we can talk about him. We can talk yeah. about the human characters too. Great character, yeah. A good, good arc. We actually do care about him. They they treat his storyline seriously. Yeah, they don't they don't really hold back on that. Like he lost his brother. He's he's been damaged by that. He's an alcoholic, and he he says he hates tunes. He's okay with with Betty Boop, but um. <laughs> He, uh, uh, yeah, you kind of uh, get a sense that they had a history. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, and I, I do like that he's actually nice to her in the 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 ink, the ink and paint club when they meet up again, and he actually like smiles at her. It's like, yeah, you still got it. Like Aww. he doesn't hate all tunes. I think he's just obviously, yeah. I mean, it's it it's rough. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, and apparently the actual actress for Betty Boop came back for this role. Sure did. That was uh, May Questel. Questel? Quest. I don't know. But yes, that was her. The original <laughs> Betty Boop, like in her 80s. At, wow. uh, coming back and doing that voice and saying, I still got it. That's like, that's so cute. That's so sweet. But yeah, yeah. Eddie, good character. Yeah. Bob Hoskins kills it. Absolutely. Amazing performance from him with all the all the stuff he had to do. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you um, want to talk about it, Judge Doom since he's that, technically a tune? Judge Doom, yeah. That, that's a twist. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching this movie, like finally making it to the end of this movie during my weird runs on cable TV and and it, finding out that Judge Doom is actually a tune. And I'm like, what a twist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a twist, but... They set it up so fucking well throughout I the do. movie. There's so many good hints about it. And like once you get there, you're like, oh, I get it. And so many good little decisions they made. And he does act kind of cartoonishly, uh, Christopher Lloyd, um, throughout it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. But yeah, between him never fucking blinking and those false teeth and the fact that his little cape thing blows in the wind when there's no wind, it's just constantly blowing in the wind. <laughs> I did not see that. Oh, yeah. No, it, it totally is. You should definitely watch at least certain scenes with him again in it. And you'll just see it just gently, like, rustling. And it's like, there's no reason why that should be moving right now. 
um, <laughs> and his movements being like really abrupt and exaggerated in certain moments where he like whirls around suddenly sometimes. And of course, wearing the glove for the dip when he dips oh, that poor shoe. Yeah. Oh, that poor shoe. Oh, my God. It's so traumatizing. Oh, <laughs> something I definitely did not know. The shoe was voiced by Nancy Cartwright. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Just those sad little squeaks that it does when it dies. Aww. Um, anyway, that's fucked up. And and then, yeah, when he's like backing away from the dip when it gets spilled over in the bar. Yeah, all of it. It's all there. And then plot wise, the setup for that as well, like mentioning that the tune that killed Eddie's brother was robbing a bank. And then the fact that Judge Doom rose to power by like paying off a bunch of people in Toontown and he had yep. all this money. It's like, where did that come from? Hmm. And yeah, the fact that he's involved with Cloverleaf, he's like the sole stockholder. It's, it's all, it all comes together in a way that makes sense. It is just like, damn, that's good. And that wasn't in the book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought all of the drama surrounding Judge Doom was just because he was played by Christopher Lloyd. Because when you have Christopher Lloyd in a movie, you just accept that these things happen. Yeah, just all these exaggerated emotions and movements and reactions. Just like, yeah. yeah, that's just him. He's he's intense, man. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of people, actually, for both Eddie and Judge Doom, there were uh, a lot of actors who were considered for the roles. I think my favorite was um, Tim Curry, apparently, could have been Judge Doom, but was Ooh. just too scary. <laughs> Yeah, he is scary. <laughs> Even when he's playing kind of a straight character, he's scary. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, that's so great. But yeah, when, when he does that turn at the end, when we realize that he is a tune, that was just, just utterly terrifying as a child. And it's still pretty intense to this day, probably because of that memory of being so scared when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's the voice, man. When he when he does the part where he's like, Eddie It's weird how his, like his eyeballs move. Yeah, the way they bulge out of his head. It's freaky that that was all very scary um and by the way cory burton did the voice of the the tune version of judge doom um oh. and i believe i mentioned that name recently uh voice actor prolific been around for a long time still has recently been doing stuff so yeah yeah i just thought that was kind of cool i was like is that still christopher lloyd no apparently not <laughs> but yeah yeah and what a way to go <laughs> he's a great villain though oh yeah effective you always wonder who the hell it was underneath that, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about Jessica Rabbit? Jessica Rabbit with the physics-defying boobs and the, yeah. the everything-defying figure. <laughs> you know how we were talking about uh, when Eddie goes to the club and he's he's friendly with Betty Boop, even though he hates tombs so much. He doesn't hate them that much because he still likes Jessica Rabbit. I mean, because everybody likes Jessica. I was gonna, who doesn't like Jessica Rabbit? <laughs> like he's he's still a man with vices, and he is weak <laughs> to the yeah. ladies. Yeah, I mean that said, when she does come to his office, said Dolores is like, "I got you with your pants down." It's like that that those were like circumstances that he he wasn't anyway <laughs> like yeah he, he, he was trying to actually he was like he, in the middle of removing her hands from his shoulders when Dolores walked in but anyway yeah no, she's great like, she's she's not bad she's just drawn that way yeah classic yeah no uh she she of the ridiculous proportions was, was very very deliberately drawn that way um Richard Williams has a, a little blurb where he talks about how she would just fall over in real life if she were a real person. <laughs> yeah, much like Barbie. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
It made me think that we don't really see many human tunes. Not too many, no. no but no. like classically speaking, we didn't see too many either. A lot of them are animals. And we do see the humans, though. We, we do at least see like Yosemite Sam pops up. Yeah. Um, I remember and that I think much. There's, uh, I think the redheaded boy from from Pinocchio was on an advertisement. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I recognized him instantly. Uh, Lampwick? Lampwick, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I pulled that name out of my butt. Um, <laughs> and there was also, um, I think, Peter from Peter and the Wolf, I think is in the very last scene. Um, oh. when all the, the tunes are gathering around the, the corpse of Judge Tim. <laughs> yeah, there's like a few, I and mean, obviously Betty Boop. Yes, yeah, so there's a few humans, but uh, yeah, it seems like just traditionally a lot of cartoon characters have been animals. Yeah. There were a lot also that didn't make it into the movie because of uh, just not being able to get the rights in time. Oh, which is a shame. Could have had Popeye. We could have had Felix the cat or a few missing creatures. Popeye. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been cool. Anyway, um, Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, no, I I, I like that. She's just she's married to Roger and she's just into him. There's no like (laughs) no ulterior anything. She just loves him. And it's like, yeah, he makes me laugh. And it's like, yeah, okay, you know what? Valid. You go. Yeah. And I love the whole like he's married to her. Yeah, what a lucky goyle. You know, yeah. like that's that's great. I love it. And that says a lot about Roger's character. Yeah. Again, annoying, but likable. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly in love with his wife because he's mad yeah. at everything and he goes to write her a love letter. Yeah, I love that realization. He, so you were like you were pissed off and yet your response was to do that? <laughs> Uh, what other characters? Uh, Benny uh, the the cab. Oh, Benny the cab. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fun. <laughs> it's, it's a smart ass taxi cab. <laughs> smart ass. I uh, I was <laughs> I kind of jumped when he ended up driving through the dip. Oh yeah, I was cringing because I, I I remembered that happened, but I didn't know if you did. No, I didn't remember. Oh, and yet he he'll still get in a car and drive the car because he is a car. <laughs> I love that. I love him getting in. All right. Why not? You know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Let's do it. Car in a car. <laughs> I like love it. Roger is that bad of a driver that he needs to rely on an injured cab. <laughs> with like wheels holding on to the with tires holding on to wheels. Like I don't I do not understand <laughs> how that works. Cartoons. Doesn't physics. matter. Cartoons. Cartoons. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, other, I mean, so many cameos. I mean, we could just like talk about all, I mean, there, other than like all the cartoon cameos, we see so many like in the background and some of them are slightly more featured than others. We've got the weasels. We have talked about them. Oh, yeah. The weasels, which after seeing the Mr. Toad sequence in the, the Adventures of Vacabod and Mr. Toad, I was like, oh my God, are, are, the, the, are the weasels from Roger Rabbit based off of the weasels from this? I mean, I, I don't think they necessarily are, but man, there there certainly are similarities. I think uh, they are. Yeah, the, the weasels are apparently supposed to be this bastardized version of the seven dwarfs. There were supposed to be seven weasels originally. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, but they removed a couple. Huh. They just ended up with what we have in the movie, which they're they're fun characters. I, I love the whole like running gag of them like trying not to laugh at things, but laughing at things. So they set it up perfectly for the end when they laugh themselves to death. Yeah. <laughs> What a way for a tune to go. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the other way you can kill a tune, huh? 
<laughs> yep. Other than dip. <laughs> but nope, Judge Doom has to go the morbid route. Yeah, good lord. It's so, so dark. <laughs> he could have killed an entire town just by, you know, being funny, but no. No, no, had to wipe them out with, ugh, god, what is it? acetone and i i can't remember all the ingredients but it's basically paint thinner (laughs) yeah i have them right here oh uh turpentine acetone benzene that's right that's right of course turpentine couldn't couldn't forget the turpentine yeah that's that's hilarious because yeah that 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 is what to uh race like an animated film like like the end the cell like that's what you would basically use (laughs) makes sense they're all made out of paint which begs the question though how how were they all created like how who made the tunes why are they alive why what is toontown how does this work yeah i think you're getting into some pretty deep questions birdie okay okay i mean it it, it's weird though it is a little weird you can't deny i know (laughs) also speaking of deep there is like the whole uh parallel of like the way the tunes are treated to um like discrimination and racism and oppression um yeah that was happening or continued to happen um yeah we'll probably talk about that a lot more with cats don't dance and utopia yes yeah the cats cats don't dance does a lot to roger rabbit i think but yeah yeah Uh, i'm not sure any more characters did you mention dolores likable character uh, a good uh, sort of ancillary uh, protagonist to sort of support Eddie. Um, yeah, it's nice to know that Eddie had a heart once. Yeah. And, and he can again. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> and he will again. <laughs> I'm disappointed that he and Dolores never got a good kiss on screen. Oh, that's okay. We, we we had plenty of kisses. We had him kissing Roger Rabbit. That's arguably Oh, well, that's iconic. the real romance right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. I, I, I love that because we, we had set that up. He's like, don't ever kiss me like that again. And then he does that to him. Does this answer your question? It's like, it's, there's so many good parallels like that in the film. It's good, good story. Well written. Fun stuff. <laughs> I'm sure that Dolores and Eddie will have that vacation again. Yeah, I think they can do it. I think he's gotten over what has happened. And I mean, there's some closure, of course, with Judge Doom dying. So, Yeah. It's time to heal. <laughs> yes. On a beach. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we could go on forever about all the cameos. There's so many. It's amazing, but we don't need to. They're, 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 maybe, maybe a quick shout out to Droopy. I love Droopy Dog uh, on the elevator. That's Richard Williams doing the voice, incidentally. Um, Baby Herman? Oh, yeah, Baby Herman. Oh, I God, love him. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Baby Herman's important. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 awful. It's sexual harassment and everything, but uh, yeah. it's 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 only funny because he's a fucking baby, <laughs> and a cigar like the, smoking baby. Yeah, and the way they did that is pretty awesome. Watch the behind the scenes. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, I uh, hope it's a guy in a in a buggy. No, no, you'll you'll, you'll <laughs> oh, see what it is. It's, it's 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 technically impressive. Okay. Yeah, baby Herman's great. P- pretty iconic. <laughs> to go from like the, the cute little hey blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a funny juxtaposition yeah um, it's a great way to really set the scene for what you're about to watch because mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie it's it's just a baby and then you're like oh this is how it is okay <laughs> I, yeah, I get this world now 
they're actors and this is a set and it's just like that's that's so wild yeah we i think we've talked about a lot of the the characters we didn't talk about uh acme or maroon but that's okay we're not as focused on the human characters no i'm just glad that they had someone representing acme because it's so big in warner brothers world yeah yeah and and maroon makes me think of like you know obviously what a maroon you know like that's 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 great that's clever too yeah the fact that acme was an actual person that's that's clever it's good stuff (laughs) moving on how about that music how about that alan silvestri Yeah, yeah no this is fresh off of stuff like back to the future and you can hear it and uh, I guess my favorite fact about this is that there's just like a freaking jazz ensemble, this jazz band that's just sitting in the middle of the London Symphony Orchestra doing all the jazzy shit that happens in this movie. Sweet. That was um, good music. Yeah. Even better is that whenever Jessica Rabbit was on screen, they just fucking improvised. The jazz mm-hmm. band just, uh, all right, let's go. What feels right based off of what they were seeing? I think... Silvestri, his movie music is like the 80s movies music to me. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Kind of encapsulates it. Um, it it's full of wonder and adventure, and I love it. Yep, it, it, it strikes the perfect balance between like the, the zaniness of the cartoon world also and the, yeah, the, the, the dark jazziness of a film noir. So yeah, he, he did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> And then there's like, there's some songs, there's some other music that gets inter- in- interjected into this. We've got obviously the song that Jessica Rabbit sings. Oh yeah. Uh, Why Don't You Do Right? Sung by Amy Irving. Yes. Who I know at some point was married to Spielberg, but I can't remember if it was at this time. Oh. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, no, that was, yeah, that was her. I don't think she was credited either. I'm not sure. It's, it's weird. And then there was also that Smile Darnia Smile song, which I did not know this until I looked it up, but apparently there was a Merry Melodies cartoon in 1931 that has that song in it. Wow. Yeah. And they just basically took it and they, they had tons of animators who worked on this film sing the chorus for that. Aww. So yeah, it's like animators are singing that song, doing like cartoony voices. It's Aww. so cute. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got two different times in the film, at least, actually. The merry-go-round broke down, which is the Looney Tunes theme. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if it's actually... Is it is it playing during Roger's scene? I think it is, because he's singing, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's... Yeah, during that scene, and, like, Judge Doom looks at the record and calls out the name of the song. And then it happens later when Eddie's doing his uh, circus routine in the factory. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a great shout out as well <laughs> oh yeah and i guess technically there's like the singing sword we've got some <laughs> oh my gosh some uh, uh anachronistic stuff but that's okay <laughs> i have oh, had uh why don't you do right stuck in my head all day yeah <laughs> if you just... if you take out the um the visuals like the if you just listen to the music it's really good it's really well sung i should listen to it again yeah <laughs> So how do we wrap this up? I think we've covered uh, most of the stuff we set out to cover. Any uh, notes of note? Notes of note. Okay. Um, I mean, God, I just, it's just such a fucking good movie. 
I wrote down a lot of notes that weren't really necessarily that important. It was just sort of me remembering things and just kind of like Roger Scream bringing, bringing back memories, pointing out the allegory. And, and actually, I did make, I wrote down the note, cats don't dance. And oh, yeah, something that, that I thought was interesting is when Judge Doom is doing the shave and haircut thing, Roger can't resist, but the weasels yeah. can. Oh, well, the weasels have been trained, I guess. Maybe. Okay, I can buy that. And obviously, since uh, Judge Doom, even though he himself is a tune, he's the one setting up the joke. He doesn't have to finish it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, if he's a tune, how does he resist? No, it's because he's the one who's, who's starting it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess there was the bullets in his cartoon gun, in Eddie's cartoon gun. And the one that is, like, Native American and does, like, the war cry and shit and gets out of Tomahawk and destroys the bottle that he threw or whatever. Oh, my gosh. I just kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. It's freaking 80s. It's the 80s. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure we might see stuff like that in the 90s, too. I bet we will. Yeah, Yeah. I had a note about that, too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, any, any, Any notes from you? Yeah, there. well, there's a lot going on in the background, like that references other things, but I wrote down just a few of the ones that really tickled me. There was a newspaper heading that said, Goofy cleared of spy charges. What? Yeah. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> I don't know, but it, made, it reminded me about how Disney was doing like army educational videos during oh. World War II. Maybe that's the reference there. <laughs> Maybe. Someone made a reference to hyenas. Uh, I think it was Judge Doom telling the weasels not to laugh. And oh. it sounded like he was saying that he got rid of hyenas. Like they used to be his henchmen before he got the weasels because the oh. hyenas were laughing too much. Uh, and it was funny, funny to me because this is before the Lion King. I mean, uh, this is true, but the hyenas have historically been associated with laughter i know that but still it's kind of felt like they were telling the disney future hey use hyenas (laughs) (laughs) oh mel blanc oh of course the fact that this is basically this is the end right this is the last thing he did i suppose and he came to this film to do daffy tweety bugs sylvester and porky that's amazing and he still sounded so fucking good of course, because he, he always does. It's just like even that late in his life, like he was really old and he still did it. But I guess he didn't do um, Yosemite Sam because that was a little bit too much for him. Oh, that was Joe Alasky. Who, what else has he done? Uh, he, he was like um, he, he basically replaced uh, all the, the Daffy Duck and Plucky Duck and all that stuff. He, he, he's, he's also done a shit ton of cartoon voices and oh god didn't he pass recently yeah 2016 we lost oh. him but uh basically he like kind of took over a number of voices but yeah he was definitely plucky duck i remember that growing up <laughs> i have one more note <laughs> i thought i okay. was done uh jessica rabbit needs to stop roger from from doing something that could get him hurt so she stops him by hitting them on the head with a frying pan and stuffing him in the trunk of a car. <laughs> but that's not what I thought was funny. What I thought was funny is that after she uses the frying pan, she just sticks it into her purse like it belongs there. Yeah. I mean, hammer space, right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you, you know, all all ladies' purses are just bottomless pits of hammer space. Yeah, with, with, <laughs> with frying pans and mallets and all sorts of important weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I I love her delivery when she's like, "Oh, I I did this and I did that, so he wouldn't get hurt." And it's just like, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense, I guess." <laughs> Great, it's good stuff. Hey, I, I think we are well over time, so we need to call it here. We've we've talked plenty about this film. It's amazing. I don't think we need to tell anyone to go see it, because if you haven't, then what what the hell is wrong with you? If, um, if you haven't seen it, then what are you, Kimmy Schmidt? Is that a reference? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know it. <laughs> All right. I guess that's it. Um, woohoo, Roger Rabbit. Hell yeah. What do we have next, though, Beffers? Next is a Czech movie called Alice, as in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one. Uh, yes, I have seen the trailer. It's gonna be very strange. Yeah, I also took a peek at that and um, looks uh, looks a little freaky. <laughs> Not sure I'm gonna love that. It's like, it's funny. It's someone who likes horror, but there's something about certain elements in this one and it is also another mix of uh live action and i guess in this case is it stop motion yep yeah i guess we'll be taking a look at that yay yay so yeah (laughs) we'll see you guys next time bye now bye-bye I think Chuck Jones got a little pissy and uh, that's that's on him. <laughs> it was worth it, Chuck. It was. <laughs> Sick callback.